podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. My name is Dale O'Donnell. This episode is going to be just me talking by myself, reflecting on this very disappointing FA Cup semi-final defeat against Chelsea. Um, usually, obviously, we have a guest. As you know, we'd have Leah, we'd have Mike or a few others on. I want to reflect on the game myself. Just a quick podcast, really, because... After a game like that, I kind of I sat back and I wanted to avoid Twitter. I want to avoid really expressing thoughts that could be considered knee-jerk. It was a game that every Manchester United fan would be frustrated watching. We were on a 19-game unbeaten run. Things were going well. We are all optimistic about our chances next season, you know, with Bruno Fernandes coming in January and kind of revamping the squad. And it's like a jigsaw was kind of coming together. And then the defeat yesterday came, and it really hit people. You know, it hit fans, you've seen the reactions, people calling for David De Gea to be removed from his number one role as goalkeeper, people questioning Harry Maguire, and even Brandon Williams got a bit of stick on, on Twitter, um, and of course he's a young player, he's going to make mistakes, I think Solskjaer realises that when he, when he throws young players in, and he's a manager that puts faith in young players, and I don't think... He would have the knee-jerk reaction to Williams' performance. I think he might be encouraged by some of his, his, his the traits of his performance. Not all, it wasn't all perfect, of course. He made mistakes, but I look at the team yesterday and I can't really find a player who didn't make mistakes. Um, just before we get on to, to De Gea and the defensive errors, one point that I wanted to make about the performance and why United didn't really seem to gel, I felt it... Nemanja Matic had a, had a bad game. His passes, they weren't quite, they weren't sippy enough. They weren't quick enough. They weren't hitting Bruno Fernandez to unlock him in midfield, and we struggled. And a lot of that comes down too to the way Chelsea pressed. They didn't give United a second on the ball. I think we we started almost a back five, and we sat back and welcomed pressure. And tried to hit them on the counter attack, but we never really seemed like going. We never seemed like we were going to get going and up the gears. It was just it was one of those days. And I suppose with the, the few games remaining now, the talk is about top four. The FA Cup's out of the equation. Can we can we ensure that next season we're in a Champions League? A lot of questions, and it all comes down to two. The the players are looking pretty fatigued. Can they muscle up the energy to go out now Wednesday night and beat West Ham and then on Sunday beat Leicester? Um, I'd like to think so, but I suppose we'll get, we'll get on to the defensive mistakes that, that led to the Chelsea's goals. They obviously won 3-1 at Wembley on Sunday. And and then in the spotlight, you got David De Gea, who seems to be getting a lot of the blame. Uh, firstly, I don't think De Gea should be blamed um, solely for yesterday's performance and result. He 
he didn't make matters um, easy for himself being at fault at large for the first two goals and the third goal being a Harry Maguire own goal um, I think it, it would be unfair to put that down here giving the ball ricocheted off at the centre back on the way into the net uh, and change direction it's difficult for any goalkeeper to stop that and De Gea is someone I think this season that a lot of pressure pressure is building on him and there's it doesn't help too for him that Dean Henderson is, is probably one of the most outstanding goalkeepers in the Premier League this season. But De Gea, since 2018, since the World Cup, which which was disastrous for Spain, he hasn't really recovered from that. And prior to that, he was the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, hands down. There was no one close to him, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. Ever since then, he hasn't been. And we've long argued that this is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. It's only a matter of time before he gets back into form. And I'm starting to wonder if, if we're almost pissing in the wind with that view. Because it's going on three years now. Well, it's two years since, since that World Cup and, and things haven't gotten better. If anything, they're arguably worse. And you look at the other teams that were competing against in the Premier League, Man City and Liverpool managed by Pep Guardiola and Jorgen Klopp, two managers who, after they got the job, had problems between the sticks and had to make big calls. Guardiola came in and spent quite a bit of money on, on Bravo. That didn't work, and he was backed in the market the following season to go out and sign Ederson, uh, a top-quality goalkeeper. You had Liverpool then, who had Simon Mignolet, Carius, who, between the pair of them, couldn't catch a cold. Went out, spent big in Allison, um, accompanied by Van Dyke, and, and now they're winning Champions Leagues and League titles. So I think it all comes down to a big call at the end of the season for Solskjaer. Is he going to stick with David De Gea as his number one going into next season? I think a call on Henderson might be premature. I listened to to Franz Hoke on Beyond the Pitch podcast with our friend Phil Brown. Uh, he made it very clear that you know, the step up from Sheffield United to Manchester United is a massive, massive jump. And I don't think people are kind of bringing that into the equation when they're calling for Henderson to be number one. And it might be a matter of next season that Solskjaer has both goalkeepers at his disposal and allows them fight for the place. Now, that's going to be very difficult. You have a David De Gea, who's the best paid goalkeeper in the world. Are Manchester United going to be happy with him sitting on the bench? Uh, you got Henderson there who's a developing goalkeeper, and he's not going to be happy on the bench either because he's he's enjoying first-team football the past two seasons at Sheffield, um, part of the team that got promoted to the Premier League and now part of a team that, in their first season in the top flight, have done really, really well in top half of the table and not long ago were they in and around competition to get into the top four. That faded after Project Restart, of course. They, they suffered a bit after that. But... It, it it comes down to a big call from 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 Solskjaer. and in all of these discussions, what I what I what I found is people aren't mentioning someone that I guess is under the radar, and he's currently second choice at Manchester United, Sergio Romero. And whenever we've called on Sergio Romero, he hasn't let us down. I know he only plays Europa League, and I thought so. I thought De Gea's inclusion on Sunday against Chelsea was a strange one because Romero usually plays these cup games. And I'm thinking now, will Solskjaer stick with the hair for the remaining two games of the season? The Athletic ran a ran an article this morning on Monday 
saying that a source revealed after the Bournemouth game when they made another mistake that they felt he a, a, a big mistake was coming in a cup final from now it didn't quite get that far it was a semi-final but still the same result we crashed out and we're not happy about it but it's a big one for De Gea. He's paid, or for sorry, for Solskjaer. He's paid big money to manage the biggest club in the world, and now it's time for a big call. If he sticks with De Gea and it works, he'd be he'd be seen as a as a genius. If he sticks with De Gea and it doesn't work, people would be scratching their head because you know that would mean United are dropping points. If United are dropping points, they could be losing games. And as manager, he needs to ensure his team are winning games. So, so like what? Again, it's a big call. It's it's not it's not one for me, a Manchester United writer to make, it, it, but it is one that I, that I will judge when it, when it's made. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and De Gea has been a great servant to Manchester United. Uh, I feel that no matter what Solskjaer does, he'd be he'd be respectful to that fact that De Gea has been at Manchester United for a long time. He's, he's now played over four hundred games for the club, and during that time, Manchester United haven't been winning trophies and we've already said he was the best goalkeeper in the world and he might look back at that stage of his career and, and, and say well at my peak I was at the biggest club in the world and the club was in a, a transition at the time you know we went from Ferguson to David Moyes to Van Gaal to Jose Mourinho and now all he got a social is the best of the Hayes is the peak of his career I guess beyond them now um, time will tell time will tell if his days are numbered I think they are I don't think Manchester United can continue with a goalkeeper between the sticks that is making mistake after mistake. And it's not just this season. It's arguably gotten worse this season. It's been magnified now after an FA Cup semi-final. But yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting summer to see if Manchester United do dip into the market. um, If Dean Henderson goes back on loan. Or if, if we have three top quality goalkeepers next season, there's a lot to look forward to, um, and a, a big a big a big sense that this is a, a risky to call for for Solskjaer. If he does get rid of De Gea and and gives the role to Dean Henderson, and that doesn't quite work, what does he do then? There are so many people on Twitter calling for Dean Henderson, but many of these people have never managed a Sunday league team, never mind managed one of the biggest clubs in the world. So it, it, it's going to be an intriguing one to, to see how it fares out. And of course, look, Manchester United, they can still win a trophy this season. We're still in the Europa League. Again, a tournament that Sergio Romero seems to feature in. But that the Europa League, the remainder of that will come next month when the Premier League finishes up. Um It'll be played in the in the space of two weeks, I believe, the, the whole tournament. And we look at the priorities now, which for me is to get into top four. Let's secure Champions League before we play the Europa League and try and see that as just a way of winning another trophy. Because Solskjaer, to win a trophy in his first season, be a massive boost. Less questions can be asked of him next season if, if, if we have a bad run of bad results, that he has a trophy to fall back on. But I do fear if if we start next season like we started this season, without a trophy on the back of of the current campaign, pressure is going to build. Pressure is going to build. I think Solskjaer is aware of that. And yesterday after the game, he he did acknowledge that De Gea should have done better. But we move on. We move on to the next game against West Ham. And West Ham have nothing to play for. 
Nothing to play for in the league. They're safe. David Moyes has done his job. A 4-0 win against Norwich City a week or two ago. Um, gave him a bit of a cushion. And they won again that the weekend. So they go into this game probably f- thinking about their off period. I'm not sure if p- many players are going to be going on holidays when the season wraps up because we're in the middle, still in the middle of a pandemic. But they'd be thinking about their off period and I'm wondering if they're going to be putting all the effort in like you'd expect the Manchester United players to do. And these are obviously players too that prior to the, the Chelsea game, Solskjaer played the same team for five consecutive games. They're getting leggy, they're getting tired. Burnout might be creeping in. But they also have to realise they don't want to be playing Champions League next season. And that's why they just have to put in an extra graft for at least the next two games. And they're both coming this week, of course. Wednesday night, like I said, West Ham. And then on Sunday, the final game of the season against Leicester. And we did have the boost over the weekend before we took on Chelsea, Spurs, but um, Leicester 3-0. Had they won 4-0, we would have been already cushioned in the fourth on goal difference. But we're one goal behind um, the goal tally and a win on the final day of the season. That will be enough. That will be enough. Um, as well as we get the job done against West Ham, of course. But top four, obviously Chelsea are in the mix with that, with Leicester. I actually think that it'll end up being ourselves and Chelsea. So Chelsea could end up this season, Frank Lampard's first as manager, with an FA Cup in top four. Uh, and that would be a great feat. But Solskjaer could be in the same boat with top four in the Europa League. And uh, we just have our fingers crossed for that much. I have a few questions too, which um, I've been sent by, by Leah, who couldn't make the podcast today. She asked, funnily enough, we already discussed it, but she asked the first one, who should be number one next season? Uh, I know I said that. It's not my call. It's Solskjaer's call. And I don't, De Gea, as things stand, he has a lot of work to do to convince me that he should be number one next season. The form this year has not been good enough. Even the form last season wasn't good enough. And I don't think he'll be number one next season. I don't think he should be. But it, how are you now going to get rid of him when he's on those wages? He's the highest paid goalkeeper in the world. And it's going to be very, very difficult to see him just sat on the bench week in, week out. And it's going to be very difficult also to see an interested party coming into either match or wages or get anywhere near. Real Madrid certainly won't. Um, although their fax machine might be in order again. I don't think they'll be knocking on the door for De Gea after this season. And you've got Henderson, like I've already spoken about the risks. And <sighs> there is a side of me that thinks, are you ready to be a Manchester United goalkeeper? Well, then come and prove yourself. And if you, I'm sure if you ask Henderson right now, are you ready? He's convinced that he is. Maybe come and prove yourself. Maybe come with De Gea in the squad too and show De Gea or show Solskjaer at Carrington that you weren't the place, that you're ready for it. Because there's been talk about Chelsea showing interest in Henderson. Earlier on the season, there was talk that Bayern Munich were looking at him. So he's, he's getting a lot of attention. A lot of big clubs looking at him. And he, but is he ready for a step up? I suppose we don't know unless we try. Um, and the other side of it too, and I, I know I mentioned Sergio Romero, I don't, I don't think that he should be pushed aside either. He's never let us down. This season, De Gea has. And I'm starting to wonder whether it's time to take De Gea out of the team now and play Romero for the remaining two games of the season against West Ham and Leicester. But at that, so which runs the risk. 
of upsetting a key member of the dressing room. And it would take a manager with big balls to do that at this stage when it's push come to shove, it's squeaky bump time, we desperately need results. And chopping and changing goalkeepers, it's not usually the best idea. Second question from Leah is what position is the priority to strengthen? I think I know we spoke a lot about goalkeepers, but I'm not going to say that because that that would be knee jerk on the back of of Sunday's game. And I'm going to say centre back. Um, Come to conclusion, which was my opinion two years ago when we were linked with Harry Maguire initially, when Jose Mourinho was looking at him, that if you sign Harry Maguire, he he improves the defence absolutely. But I don't think he should be our best centre-back. I really, really don't. Um, I know he came for 80 million. That's the kind of money you pay for your main centre-back. But since the Premier League resumed, I don't think he's had a good game. Prior to the, the pandemic, he was showing signs that he was improving just after January. He was re- showing signs that he was a real leader on the pitch. And I... I don't think that has changed, but it's performance, le- performance levels have. You look at the Stephen Bergwin's goal for Spurs when he got turned inside out, and you look at it, there's been a number of incidents that he's been at fault for and losing concentration. And I said it on the podcast last week that every week people slag off Victor Lindelof. Okay, we can accept that he's not a, he's not a top-class centre-back. Solskjaer knows that. I'm sure he knows it. But has Harry Maguire been any better since Project Restart? He's making it's very similar mistakes. Very similar mistakes. And even for the for the own goal yesterday, um, there were stages of the game yesterday where Olivia Giroud trun Harry Maguire around the place at ease. At ease. That's our main centre back at the moment. Now he could be going through a bad patch of form, he could be tired, I I don't know. But he's a lot of convincing to do if um if people think that he's gonna be our main centre back. And we're going to be winning league titles. I think we need someone better, but strong and better than him. Not just better than Victor Lindelof. I think we need a top centre-back. And there's few reports out there suggesting we're going to get one. There's reports that United are looking at defenders. But um, we ran on the blog last week. We inquired about um, Kaladu Koulibaly at Napoli. who has been previously linked at... To, to Manchester United and we, we were to, it was shot down Manchester are not interested in him this summer and it does make you think that he's, a, he's supposed, supposedly top quality centre back from Syria but why is he still at Napoli why hasn't he been signed yet by someone else again it raises questions and the same questions were kind of asked of Mats Hummels formerly of Bristol Dortmund well he's at Bristol Dortmund now but he did leave for Bayern Munich during a time that he was linked to Manchester United and um, I'm, I was led to believe that David Moyes and Sir Alex Ferguson during their spells the club had both looked at him but had both come to the conclusion that he was too slow for the Premier League. He didn't do that good at, at Bayern Munich. He went back to, to Borussia Dortmund. He didn't quite hit the heights that were expected of him. So we, like this is, this is what I'm getting to about these opinions that you see on, on social media. They don't hold that much substance. There's a lot of people who just play football manager and play FIFA and think they that they know more than than your average football manager. But you know, I trust Solskjaer. I do trust him because in the transfer window last year, he made some good buys. I know I criticise Harry Maguire, but he has improved their defence. Um, Wan Bissaka, I think, would be a good player. 
good right, good fullback, very good defensively, but he has work to do to his game. No point ignoring that. He needs to get better on the ball. His crosses need to improve. At times they're atrocious, and that's just giving up possession. That's giving the op- opposition team, you get into a good position, he crosses the ball, and you just lose the ball. That's not good enough. Um, but, look, he's young. I've seen a lot of encouraging things from this season, and I think he'll be he'll make out to be a good a good fullback. So yeah, my my priority area to strengthen this summer is centre back. I know there's other areas that need to be addressed. You've got right wing. Um, Jadon Sancho has been constantly linked, and he's another player I'd love to have at Manchester United. But as far as my priority goes, we need a centre back. We need someone commanding. We need someone to lead. Um, and it's no harm having two leaders at the back. Harry Maguire is a leader. But he's just, he's not, he's not your icing on the cake. Yet to be convinced that he is. It's been too many times this season where he's blown hot and cold. And I'm looking at football since Project Restart. And he's blown cold a lot, lot more than he's blown hot. Um, Yeah, so these are just my opinions, of course. You can get on social media, on Twitter and share yours. Get back to me if you agree or disagree. If you think I'm talking through my arse, let me know. (laughs) Um... Third question from Leah. Are United guilty of being too one-dimensional, which has allowed opponents to exploit our weakness too easily? I think, for the most part, in from recent games, we've been the ones exploiting weaknesses of opponents. Um, for the most part, against those lesser teams that you'd expect Manchester United to be beaten, we have been sweeping them aside with the introduction of Bruno Fernandes, the comeback of Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford. We have been doing that until our players started to look tired, which has been the case for the last three games. And we've started then slowly. And we started against Chelsea by sitting back and trying to hit them on the counter-attack. Now, they definitely found our weaknesses there. I don't think it's a it's an ongoing trend where teams are hitting United where it hurts because they haven't been able to. For instance, I, I said at the start of the podcast, Nemanja Matic... He was almost blocked off against Chelsea. He wasn't able to do what he's been doing the past few weeks by almost acting like a a quarterback in American football by um, putting balls on a play for Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba to operate on and getting balls out wide. It just didn't work. It wasn't quick enough yesterday. Passes weren't accurate enough. And, and that really let us down. So I think... There are weaknesses, of course, with United. If 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 teams can press us, if they can stop us, with, and then we get into a, a few problems. But at the start of the game, we started so slow against Chelsea, and I remember saying to myself, "Right, the two centre backs are doing their job right now. They're keeping things up. But how long? For how long will this last? Because both Victor Lindelof and both Harry Maguire are very very guilty of lapses in concentration." That's where these mistakes are happening. Brandon Williams is at fault as well. He he didn't do himself. He didn't cover himself in glory really for the second goal. He should have been in a lot a better position. I know De Gea um, made a mistake, but you have to look at the whole picture, not just blame one player. Defensively, we made a lot of mistakes, and when you're making mistakes in defence, it's not so much about teams exploiting the weakness. We put it on a play for Chelsea. You know. It's, Two of their goals yesterday, they could have avoidable. Uh, it doesn't really come from weakness, it came from mistakes. And that's what that's what really hurts. Because these weaknesses, or so-called weaknesses, haven't been that I- 
you know, you haven't really noticed him that much. Where around that 19 game being run, okay, there were signs of, of fatigue. But I think that the team is in a, in a lot better position than it was at the start of the season. And now it's a matter of, between now and then, can we grind out results? We accept the players are looking tired. We also accept the Solskjaer can't really make too many changes. Squad depth isn't really there. And that needs that needs to be addressed. Because next season, if the the, the objective is to go that step further... And challenging for the title and being the Champions League. And let's not forget too, uh, there's no point being the Champions League if we're not going to make it out of the group stages. Absolutely pointless. We're getting into the Champions League. We aim to win it. Absolutely. This, like, this whole thing about getting in Champions League and that being the be all and all. No, it's that's 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 Glazer ideology. That's thinking about financial gain of being in Europe's biggest competition as a fan if you're in the Champions League you're in to win it I know it sounds ridiculous so imagine I win the Champions League next season it's not ridiculous you're good enough to get into the Champions League there's no point just being there to take part absolutely no point and it, it's something I, I, I do believe Solskjaer will try to get into the players if, if they achieve top four or win the Europa League that right these players are all Oh, I want to be in the Champions League, but do you want to win it? It's not about taking part. I will keep repeating myself, but it's not. And that bothers me. People are on about how oh, we, have just, we just have to get to the Champions League. But we also have to get Champions League and then improve again. And sign the right players to go that step for, get that go that step forward again. So, yeah. Look, I'm going to leave it at that. I know I probably rambled a bit. I haven't done many podcasts on my own. But I just wanted to get a few things off my chest about the Chelsea game without being too knee-jerk as I... It, it's difficult. It is hard to to reflect on a game when emotions are so high, and that's why I, I, I we don't do podcasts immediately after games because <laughs> I wouldn't have a laptop in front of me. I probably wouldn't have a television in front of me either. So yeah, look, thanks for listening. You can follow Stretty News on Twitter at Stretty News. You can become a member, of course, too, on Patreon. Support the blog, support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash Stretty News. And I'll you'll hear from me again on Thursday. I'll be joined by Mike and we will be reviewing the West Ham game. Hopefully it's three points and we're on our way to top four. Sports Social Podcast Network.